0: Thank you for downloading Yacht Blast. Island 92's maritime show comes to you from St. Martin, the yachting capital of the Caribbean. This podcast may have been edited for copyright reasons.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Yacht Blast, Island 92's weekly programme of rock, blues and sailing news with me, Gary Brown. This week I went aboard the Three Masted Bark, Picton Castle, ...while she was alongside the dock in Marigot, French St Martin... ...where I talked to deckhands Sean Anderson and Abby Stern... ...about life on a sailing ship. Around 75 people attended the Atlantic Crossing Forum... ...held at Lagoonies Bar and Restaurant on Thursday. Afterwards I spoke to Mike Childers... ...the man behind this annual event. Next weekend it's the Anguilla Regatta. Donald Curtis joins me on the line to tell us more. And Jan as the Budget Marine Gill five-day offshore marine forecast at the bottom of the hour and as always the show gets underway with some music and for once i've chosen something nice and gentle ah, cat stevens as he was known then and morning has broken and happy May Day to you around the world now if you are watching on the webcam because we are streaming live this morning you might have seen that my studio chair just about fired me through the ceiling And Jan's in the other studio, and she just tapped on the glass and says, Streaming live, no picking your nose. Right, here's a news item we keep revisiting, but it's important, so here we go. The people who monitor these things say that piracy hit an all-time high worldwide in the first three months of 2011. The International Maritime Bureau said 142 attacks in the first quarter came as Somali pirates became more violent and aggressive. Wow, how more violent and aggressive can they be? The International Maritime Bureau's Piracy Reporting Centre said 97 of the attacks occurred off the coast of Somalia, up sharply from 35 in the same period last year. It said attackers seized 18 vessels worldwide, including three big tankers, in the January-March period and captured 344 crew members. Pirates also murdered seven crew members and injured 34 during the same period. I guess anyone circumnavigating has some serious choices to make once they leave Australia. And that leads us nicely into our next item. World Cruising Club has announced that from 2014 the World Arc Round the World Sailing Rally will become an annual event starting every January from Rodney Bay in St Lucia. World Arc is currently a biannual event starting in January and finishing 15 months later. The current events started in January 2010 and next will start in January 2012. Ark say that demand for from sailors for a rally in the off years has led to the decision to make World ARC an annual event. This will make it easier for cruisers to sail half the rally and then take a year out to explore on their own before rejoining the subsequent rally to complete their circumnavigation. And more details can be had at worldcruising.com And the Ark, by the way, circumnavigates via South Africa not the Red Sea I'll take you aboard the Bark Picton Castle after this from James Taylor James Taylor, and don't let me be lonely tonight I wonder if William is saying that to Catherine yet (laughs) Did you see the wedding? Wasn't it wonderful? Now, I never ever miss a chance to go aboard a sailing ship So when I heard the famous Bark-Picton Castle was alongside the dock in Marigold, I ran for the jeep and headed into town. Most journalists seek out the captain for an interview, but being an old lefty, Che Guevara and all that, I wanted to talk to the crew. So without further ado, here's my interview with Sean Anderson and Abby Stern, deckhands aboard the Bark-Picton Castle. Now we're on board the Picton Castle and I have with me Sean Anderson who's one of the crewmen on board. Sean knows all about the ship. Beautiful ship she is too. And we're standing here by the base of the foremast. As are all good sailing ships, she smells right, smell tar, pitch and the warps, the ropes. Lovely ship to be on. Uh, Sean, before we talk about the ship, tell us how you came to be on board.
2: I've known about sailing ships for a while uh, and when I was... 20, uh, 21, I first joined the ship uh, for just uh, a month or two, and uh, came back for her fifth world voyage, and I've been on uh, about 12 months now, so. Am I going to get myself in trouble if I say that's a Canadian accent? That's not going to get you in any trouble at all, no, that's very right.
1: (laughs) Are you from Nova Scotia? I mean, are you linked to sailing ships, or or the schooners up there, or in any way?
2: No, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm from Ontario and just have always been around the lakes, the Great Lakes, uh, some small boat sailing in the Great Lakes. So that was my in through sailing. How did you find out about the ship? There's been a few television programs about the ship, and then anybody who's seen any tall ship go through, if you start going on the Internet and Googling anything, the ship will pop up pretty quickly. So.
1: Now tell us a bit about the history of the ship, because I believe she didn't start out as a sailing ship.
2: No, originally she was a fishing trawler and she was built in uh, Swansea in England and then made into, uh, at one point, a minesweeper and liberated part of Norway. And after they liberated Norway, they started uh, in as just a cargo vessel in around Norway uh, for a lot of years until the captain found it in 1996 and uh, converted her into a three-masted bark.
1: Now, before we go any further and get into trouble here, Swansea is in Wales.
2: Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm really getting deep into this now. And I'm really <laughs> insulting the wrong people. That's
1: OK. That's just for our Welsh listeners, because I'll get the emails. So you started off as a trainee and you, you stayed on and you're now a decan. What does that entail?
2: Uh, it doesn't entail too much more than being a trainee. Uh, just a little bit more uh, work on a, a couple other days, um, maybe some expectations to not have a, a day where my brain goes fart. So it, nothing more than being a trainee, though it's all the expectations build as you learn more. So it doesn't matter if you're a trainee that's been here a long time or a deckhand. Um, once you learned it, you're expected to keep knowing and practicing what you've learned.
1: And where have you been on board the ship?
2: I started in Lunenburg, Nova Scotia, and. Uh, Cruised uh, down through to Anguilla and down to Panama, then Galapagos, then Pitcairn, French Polynesia, Bali or Fiji, then Bali, uh, all through the South Pacific. Uh, then slowly made our way to South Africa and then up back to the Caribbean. So you've circumnavigated on a sailing ship. I have now officially circumnavigated on a sailing ship. What happened when you crossed the line? There's not much I can talk about that. (laughs) Okay, we'll move on from that
1: one. It's something that I ask everybody every time I go on a ship with a tall rig like this. You work aloft. How how do you deal with
2: that? I deal just fine with working aloft. I've been going aloft regularly since the beginning. Uh, Didn't have any problems. Just got to know your limitations and you're set.
1: What if you had limitations? What if you didn't like going aloft. Are you still welcome aboard?
2: Yes, you are. It's totally optional. Aloft optional is, it's one of the only things that we say is optional about this ship. Mm-hmm. you got to clean ahead, you got to stand watch, mm-hmm. but going aloft is the optional, uh, the main optional bit. Okay,
1: we got Abby Stern uh, coming down the, the ladder here. Abby, how are you? Uh, where are you from?
3: I'm from North Carolina. Hi.
1: And what brings you to the Picton Castle?
3: Oh, well, I love sailing. Um, I sailed a little bit on a schooner a few years ago, and I just randomly found this place online and signed up out on a whim. And they accepted me.
1: Are you a trainee or are you part of the crew? I'm
3: a trainee. I've yeah. been here since Bali, so six months.
1: Okay, so you've almost done a circumnavigation.
3: Almost, almost. Okay.
1: Sean, do you plan to stay on board a
2: lot longer and make a career of this? Um, I, I may continue with this and make a career. It's a very, very strong possibility. So um, kind of focusing on just getting home before I want to even... Take a guess at what I want to do after this. So, but I'm probably going to go for some more licensing after this and see where it takes me. Abby, what about you?
3: Uh, I plan on living in Portland, Maine, moving to Portland, Maine, and going to the Maine Maritime Academy.
1: It's amazing how many people I talk to on sailing ships who see a career ahead for themselves, and I think that's wonderful.
3: Yeah, it's um, well, it's it's like a dream. You get to live outside and this in the sea and the wind and travel and work hard every day and and sleep hard every night.
1: Now, the, the, the world of the sailing ship was traditionally a man's world. Oh, yeah. And I think to some extent it still is. Is that a problem?
3: Oh, on this ship, no, not at all. It, we're all treated pretty equally, and we all have our share of work. Um, but, you know, if I needed some more beef, I'd say, Hey, Sean, come over here. But some of the girls are probably stronger than some of the, uh, a lot of the guys.
1: Mixed living personalities... We all have our own foibles. I know I've done many voyages, and sometimes some of the crew, and I'm sure I drive people crazy too, but people pick the nose or do things you don't like. Yeah. That's hard to deal with. Have you, have you come across that?
3: Well, you know, you, yeah, but you learn to... We're a big family, and sometimes you get angry at your siblings, but you know how to work it out.
1: What do you folks think about this?
3: Oh, my parent, My mom loves it. My dad's worried. Um, but mom, my mom's terribly worried too, but... I'm doing what I love and I'm getting an education, and uh, so they're, they're all for it. They really support me.
1: Sean, do you do the whole thing here, hand, reef and steer? Yes. So what's it like to, to be on the wheel of a ship like this?
2: It can be amazingly intimidating if you let it be, but as long as you keep, keep your, uh, your horizon nice and, nice and in view, you're fine. Absolutely fine. So. If
1: you screw up on this ship when you're steering, you screw up big time.
2: You can, yes, you can, yes. It, it depends how we're sailing at the time, but yes, you can. How does a ship like this deal with heavy, heavy weather? We deal pretty well with heavy weather. We, uh, She's pretty stable, she's amazing stability, and uh, we just put up our big, our nice storm sails and just ride it out. So we haven't had too much heavy weather either, that's kind of stick around the tropics where it's always nice.
1: Yeah, keeping the right latitude, that's the way to go. I saw this ship on the sail, leaving... I'm going to say Antigua, a couple of years ago. could have been Anguilla.
2: Probably was a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah.
1: and uh, she was in sight for a long, 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 long time, and she was going to windward, and she was going sideways, so she can't be very fast.
2: No, there is a saying about the ship, we may be slow, but we get around. So, uh, (laughs) five circumnavigations, but we don't do it very quickly.
1: And I hear that uh, you don't use the engine that much.
2: No, we, we aim to sail as much as we can. We'll we'll shut down even if it's for a little bit. We'll we'll try to shut down for that amount of time. Abby, the old man, the skipper, good guy.
3: Oh, he's great. Now, you guy. can say what you want. You yeah, know, no, come no, on, no, he's be brave. Great guy, I love that guy. He scares, he scares the hell out of me sometimes. But as all captains should, but he's a great guy. He's funny. He's got uh, this twinkle in his eye. He looks at you like, huh? Oh, what's going on? But yeah, I love the captain.
2: Yeah, I have nothing but good things to say about the captain. So he's taught a lot. And even when he's not teaching, you can take something in about how he deals with a situation. So I think it's it's a sign of a good teacher that they're always teaching, even when they're not actively teaching.
1: What's the worst thing you have to do on the ship? Is there anything you don't like
2: doing? I don't like wearing shoes, almost ever. Like that, that... Telling me I have to go put on my fouly boots is probably the worst thing you could do to me. Or saying I have to paint a loft. Or that that's paired as the two two worst things for me. But everyone has their worst thing. That
1: Sean, if the worst thing that happens to you in your life is that you have to wear a pair of shoes, believe me, you're doing well. Abby, what about you? Anything that you you don't like?
3: There's this place in the scullery where the Tupperware gets all mis the, all mismatched and out of sorts. I hate that. It gets me so frustrated. The stupid. Tupperware.
1: <laughs> it's okay. We can all uh, Tupperware. Do you ever get the call? Um, <laughs> do you ever get the call when things are tough? haul hands on deck.
2: Yep. Yep. They'll uh, if they have a squall coming on or they'll see a nasty squall on the horizon, uh, they can call for either the daemon to come on deck, so the extra hands who are just doing day work, or for more hands. And sometimes in. Uh, less of a neat situation, they'll just do a compartment. They'll just get on all the people who are sleeping in a compartment at the time uh, and get on deck, lay in for a little while, just be on standby. So. so
1: discipline's like it should be on a sailing ship?
2: Yeah, I believe so. As far as I have learned with discipline on board a sailing ship, everything is, is right as it should be. Do people drop out? Some people can't handle it? Some people can't handle it. Some people can't handle it physically, mentally. A lot of different reasons, um, so and and that's fine. That's This isn't built for everybody, and uh, not everybody's built for this.
1: Abby, we'll come to you for the final question. What would you say to anyone who's perhaps considering sailing on Picton Castle but just needs that extra no job? Oh,
3: oh you, if you want to do it, you, you must. You must try. You've got to push yourself, and and it's a challenge, but it's, it's a great challenge. You, uh, I highly recommend it. I endorse this completely.
1: And there you go, Abby Stern and Sean Anderson, two super people aboard the Bark, Picton Castle. And there's not many people like Sean around who can say they have circumnavigated the world on a sailing ship. If you think you'd like to sail on the Picton Castle, then you can find out all the details on www.picton-castle.com
4: Island 92 Join the crew of the infamous floating bar Lucky Lady on a rip-roaring chase across the Caribbean. Tackle storms, party hard or die trying. Packed with unforgettable characters, Caribbean High is for anyone who dreams of adventure in the Caribbean and life on the edge. The Caribbean's number one sailing thriller, Caribbean High by Gary E. Brown, is now available in paperback and as an ebook from Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk or ask at your local bookstore. Visit the author's website, GaryEBrown.net, for details.
1: Last week, Jeff Mayer sent me a lovely picture of his wife, Mary Ann, reading a copy of Caribbean High while he was painting the bottom of their boat, which is hauled out in Michigan, although I believe they've launched it now. Jeff and his wife live and sail on Gull Lake. Now, I rack my brains for something to play for Jeff and Mary Ann, who say they always listen to the podcast, and the only thing I could come, come up with with any connection to the lakes was this. And it's one of my favourites from Gordon Lightfoot. And this is also for Alex Forsyth, who I met on Picton Castle. Gordon Lightfoot and the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Here's Jan with your five-day offshore marine forecast. The Offshore Marine Forecast is brought to you by Budget Marine and Gill Technical Clothing, proud sponsors of the Budget Marine Gill Race Team.
0: Here is the offshore marine forecast for the tropical North Atlantic and Caribbean Sea. This covers an area from 7 north to 22 north and between 55 west and 65 west and it was issued at 0530 EDT on Sunday, May 1st. Sunday. North of 18 north, winds northeast to east, 10 to 15 knots. Seas 5 to 6 feet. From 13 to 18 north, winds east, 15 to 20 knots. Seas 6 to 7 feet. South of 13 north, winds east, 10 to 15 knots. Seas 5 to 6 feet. Monday and Tuesday. Winds northeast to east, 15 to 20 knots, seas 5 to 7 feet. Wednesday. North of 17 north, winds variable 5 to 10 knots, becoming north to northeast 10 knots behind a frontal trough. Seas 4 to 6 feet. South of 17 north, winds northeast to east, 10 to 15 knots, seas 4 to 5 feet. Looking ahead to Thursday. Northwest of the frontal trough, winds north to northeast 10 knots, seas 5 to 7 feet, with a northerly swell. Elsewhere, winds northeast to east 10 to 15 knots, seas 4 to 5 feet. And that's your five-day offshore marine forecast for the coming week. Budget Marine
1: and Gill taking care of sailors throughout the caribbean and beyond using state-of-the-art technology gill provides a wide range of marine clothing for all conditions from the warm waters of the tropics to the freezing temperatures of the southern ocean you will find all you need in the gill range of technical clothing yeah thank you Jan. Uh, good job nice job again now if you could just come and uh, sort this coffee machine out because i've uh, spilt coffee everywhere <laughs> the Anguilla Regatta is one of the nicest events in the Caribbean and it kicks off next week or next weekend. Friday, to be exact. Yesterday, Donald Curtis joined me on the line to tell us more about this great event. Donald, over there in Anguilla, this uh, fantastic regatta that you run over there every year. Tell me about it. What's new this year?
5: Well, Gary, um as you know, this is the ninth annual regatta and it. All proceeds go towards the Anguilla Sailing Association, which then runs the Anguilla Youth Sailing Club, which is a non-profit organization, as you know, and we have all the kids down on sandy ground. So the Regatta itself is something that we enjoy doing. It's a really good cause. And our biggest sponsor is, of course, the um, Anguilla Tourist Board. And it's to promote the island sailing and trying to get us uh, a little bit more recognition on the world scene. This year, what seems to be new is we're getting a lot of more interest from St. Bart's. I believe we have at least three boats registered from St. Bart's, and we're hoping to get some more. We put some you know, emphasis on the French side of things, trying to expand our repertoire.
1: That's really, really good. To get some people over from St. Bart's would be wonderful. You're doing such a great job there with the youth sailing program that you run. So before we talk more about the regatta, let's just go back to that youth sailing program. It's become the success story of the Caribbean in a way. Your kids now are sailing all over the Caribbean, And they're doing very, very well. And we should mention here that Anguilla has a great tradition of sailing. And it is actually the national sport.
5: Absolutely. That's, of course, part of the reason why uh, we do so well. And because we have a lot of interest from the local um, kids who want to come out and, you know, learn what what sailing is really about. And then they can go on to the bigger boats, the traditional boats. And they have a fleet of 15 traditional boats that have... I think on average about eight races during the year, um, eight different little regattas that they run. And it's great to see the kids get on board those boats and then tell them why they're doing what they're doing. What we've found is the old professionals, they know what to do, but it's not always apparent that they know why they're doing it. So it, I think it's a good enhancement for, for both sides.
1: Well, I was on Richard West's schooner Charm 3 last year with some of these kids. Uh, Richard always takes them out. Kids can be brats at any age, as we all know, but these kids, I was just absolutely amazed with the way they performed and the way they handled themselves. They were a pleasure to be with, and it was a delight to watch themselves. So, obviously, the Youth Sailing Program in Anguilla really, really is working. Now, there's been some talk about Anguilla changing the name of the regatta to call it a sailing festival. Did that go ahead?
5: We thought about it, and we talked to the tourist board, board about it, and it may happen. But as of this year, no. We're going to keep it just as the Anguilla Regatta. We've talked to other sponsors, and there are possibilities. But for the moment, we're just going to leave it the way it was. It's fun. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's three days. Weather is almost always wonderful. Well, now I'm going to have to knock some wood for that one. <laughs> but you know, the whole thing is being able to enjoy yourself kind of like the old-style regatta. In my youth, a long while ago, I used to go down to PSV and Grenada regattas. And um, it was very much low-key. Fun was the key for everything. Yes, you raced hard, but at the end, everybody came back together and had a great time.
1: Donald, that's so true, true. And that's part of the regatta that I always push when I talk about Anguilla regatta, is that it, it's a fun regatta. It's a family regatta. If you want to sail hard, you can sail hard. Also, it's run from the beach. So, so, so Caribbean. It couldn't be more Caribbean. The bars all there right on the beach. You step out of the bars. You've got sand on your feet. The yacht club, the the youth sailing hut where all the officials hold court. It's covered in sand. The whole regatta is a beachside regatta, and that is so Caribbean. And I do recommend people go to it. It's such a lot of fun, and it's so different. And also, as the season's winding down now, If you only do one regatta this year before you move off to your summer cruising grounds, do make it Anguilla. Even if you don't take part in the regatta, come over and enjoy the festivities because it's low-key, but it's always good.
5: That's right. And we have our bars that support us every year. We have the Pump House. We have Jono's. As you know, Roy's will be doing all the breakfasts again this year for us. And also Ripple's always helps us out. So it's a whole beach that joins in the weekend and And it's very welcoming. I mean, customs is good. We don't have any problems with immigration. They're always very flexible. Everybody tries to come together to make sure that people do have a good time and they get the right feel for uh, Anguilla and what we're about and how we like to run things.
1: That's true. The feel for Anguilla, that's very important. A lot of regattas don't do that. You don't get a feel for the island, but you certainly do in Anguilla. Now, Donald, very briefly, we have the same classes as normal, a cruising class, spinnaker class.
5: Well, we're doing the multi hole and we believe we'll have the traditional schooners class again. We had only had two entrants last year, which was tradition and one other boat out of um, Antigua. However, we're working very hard to have more this year. And in fact, um, Laurie comes over in St. Bart's this weekend, where the traditional boats are all gathering, and they have a regatta over there around this time every year. So the schooners, the ones that, that come out of Grenada and... Um, the small islands down there, the traditional ones, they we're going to try and get them involved again this year.
1: That would be wonderful. That would just add to this already superb regatta. So, when's it all start, and when do people need to be there? When's the skipper's right. briefing?
5: <laughs> Thursday, Thursday evening or Thursday afternoon is the official start. As many people as possible can come over on that afternoon and register then. And there's a captain's briefing down at Roy's um, restaurant at the other end of the beach, as usual. And he also puts on a great dinner for us. So if you can make it then, that's the great time to be. Uh, if not, we will be doing registrations early morning Friday. The race doesn't start till 11, I believe. So if anybody can't make it on Thursday afternoon, then Friday morning, please come over and, and you can still join the fun. And there's a the first race on, on Friday is traditionally the longer race. It goes around to um, Rendezvous Bay, I believe, and then back. And then we, on Saturday, we have the more traditional. Uh, there's a triangle. There's some uh, windward Leewards We're going to be putting in, so more around the cans type racing. And then on Sunday is the race out to Prickly Pear, up into um, Little Bay, Prickly Pear, and then back around for uh, a, a great finish.
1: And we should just add that usually. All these races are run on Caribbean
5: time Uh absolutely, <laughs> in keeping with the, the regatta style <laughs> we are, uh, yeah don't hold us to a um particular uh particular time however uh we've been a little better last year we were, We actually got just about everything that we had to get done, got done, and um on Sunday, we finished in time for boats to go back to St Martin that need to make the bridge, so we're aware of that also
1: donald that's lovely and um my wife, Jan, and I, of course, will be there. We wouldn't miss it. We've been to every single one of the Anguilla regattas, and it's one of my favourites, and so I look forward to seeing you. And thanks very much for sharing that with us here on Yacht Blast.
5: Gary, I really appreciate your time, and you, and again, we always love having you here, and you know we're going to have a great time.
1: That was Donald Curtis talking about next weekend's Anguilla regatta. Now, if you if you are in the St. Martin area, do sail over and to Anguilla and take part in this regatta. It's really good. It's a fun regatta and it's run, as we said, right there from the beach. So it's lots of sand between your toes and lots of cold beer. The first race is on Friday morning and the skipper's briefing. There's a second skipper's briefing on Friday morning for the late So you're not going to miss out on anything. And you can register online if you'd like to do it in advance or just turn up on the beach on the day. And for details, well, you can find all the details at AnguillaRegatta.com. Don't forget, you can contact me through my Facebook page, which is Gary E Brown, or you can tweet me, be a tweeter, twitter me, tweep, tweep me at uh, Ocean Media. That's at Ocean Media, or you can email me Gaz at island92 dot com. That's Gaz G A Z or Z, wherever you may be, Gaz at island92 dot com. And we'll be crossing the Atlantic with the Atlantic Crossing Forum after this from Fleetwood. Mac- Hollywood, would mark and Monday morning, and Monday's a holiday here. Carnival. I hope it's a holiday where you are too. Now more than 75 people turned up to take part in the Atlantic Crossing Forum, held at Lagoonies Bar and Restaurant on Thursday afternoon. Mike Childers was the mediator, and lots of people chipped in with information that will make it easier for those sailing from the Caribbean to the Azores this year. After it was all over, I caught up with Mike for a chat and a beer. Mike, deja vu, because we sat in this very same spot at this time last year and we talked about the Atlantic Crossing Forum, which we've just come from. You are the host of. I was surprised and delighted to see more people there this year. Now, does that mean more people are cruising or more people are crossing the Atlantic this year? I think more people are actually crossing
4: the Atlantic. you got some choices here for hurricane season. One is to, uh, I don't know, go through the Panama and go down to the Pacific. Not many people are doing that. Most people are still going south to Grenada, Trinidad, something like that. But more and more people every year are catching on that. You can sail across the Atlantic, get into Europe. It's relatively cheap over there, actually. You can get into marinas for half the cost you'd spend here on St. Martin. And it's really quite nice with uh, all of Europe's
1: conveniences. What's the biggest change you've seen in the last year, if indeed you've seen any change at all? Well, one of the biggest changes I see is probably
4: in electronics. As uh, the electronics for boats just increases in different types of things it can do, people are buying more and more of it, and I think it's all good. It's safety, it's weather information... Um, of course, it's how I make my living in a lot of ways, As I make these things work when uh, people just don't know how. And uh, I use them myself. AIS is one I'm particularly in like with. Uh, the chances of a collision at sea now are cut to, to nothing because of this type of equipment.
1: And the equipment, the price is coming down
4: all the time. Not only is the price coming down, but it becomes more convenient to use. Uh, Like anything, uh, when it first came out, uh, computers were $10,000. Now you can buy them for $200. Uh, You you had to be a wizard to run a computer 10 years ago. And now pretty much uh, every six-year-old knows
1: exactly what he's doing. What I found interesting this time too was a lot of repeat offenders there. People who have done this trip two or three times. Like I said, it is getting more
4: popular to go over there. It is, uh, well, I've been doing it, what, this would be my ninth year, I think, going across. And it's just a bit. Uh, you've got to go through the sailing it's miles of sailing and some people still aren't confident enough to do that type of mile but if you are it really I think is a better alternative than going out and hanging out on one island because over there you can see uh, you know all of uh, Europe you can travel the, the entire season over there
1: I've been doing it nine times Mike what would you say was the worst thing that's happened to you? I fell in love a couple years ago <laughs> well uh, but that's very nice indeed and Well, maybe it'll happen again this year. Um, You you touched on the routes again, uh, the cruising routes, and whether to go north or whether to go east, and there was some discussion there. One gentleman said he'd actually motored the rum line right to the Azores, which I don't really recommend, but there are choices. Uh, Go north up towards Bermuda, uh, go into Bermuda, lots of choices, but it seems like the ideal way of doing this is to leave St Martin or leave the northern Caribbean islands and... Go north, and then has the wind clocks around, clock around with it until you are heading for the Azores, which is a simple thing to do. That's really how I try and run my my passage when I uh,
4: when I go. I'm looking at the winds up north. They're going to tell me when I need to turn east, and uh, so it's just reading the boat. Um,
1: typical sailing, really. And weather information. We must talk about that because that is on high on most people's agenda. Where. When you're out there in mid-atlantic do you get the weather information from i get mine from weather facts
4: although that's a dying uh, thing uh, the governments who uh, send out these weather facts signals are not doing it anymore or they're cutting their signal strength down to where it's hardly readable uh, these days getting grip files from iridium phones uh, from satellite communications single sideband is probably the more common thing um, I wouldn't recommend going across without weather information. Uh, Certainly you can, but then you just get whatever you get. You can't prepare for something. It's really nice to see what's
1: coming. Let's just go back to what you said earlier about weather facts. To receive weather facts, you don't need expensive gear. You can buy a shortwave receiver, about $175 here in St. Martin, and really that's all you need. Well, you need a computer as well, but most boats have a computer now. Uh, There's software readily
4: available that costs you nothing. Uh, You need to look at a weather fax a few times before you get the idea, but it's not rocket science. Uh, You can see if there's some big pressure system coming at you and maybe slow the boat down so you don't run out in front of it. Uh, It uh, is a great planning tool. Of course, there was a
1: lot of questions about when is a right time to go from the Caribbean. I've done this voice twice. I, I did it leaving St. Martin 12th of June and again leaving on the 14th of June, and I had a wonderful trip. What's your recommendations there?
4: Uh, I'd say middle of May to the middle of June. Really is uh, prime time. You can leave... Uh, Oh, I've seen people leave as early as the middle of April, but you tend to get into rougher systems then. Uh, a lot of, well, some people want to spend their entire summer out there. So they're going to go early so they have the entire summer to spend. But uh, you're going to get beat up a bit more if you leave at that time. Usually, middle of May, middle of June, you're perfectly safe. If you leave it to the middle of July, you might catch a hurricane.
1: We don't want that. Now, on the way back, the return voyage, let's just talk about that briefly. You leave from the Azores, you go to the Canary Islands. What's a good time to do that?
4: Uh, Really, you can do that. Um, Well, okay, I generally land up in the Azores sometime in late June. Uh, I hang around for about a month. It's a little vacation time for me. And uh, enjoy the islands and then head on down to the, the Canaries from there. Uh, you could probably leave it to as late as mid-August. But after that, uh, you're starting to get uh, maybe the possibility of a winter storm again, and it gets a bit more difficult. So any time from June to mid-August, really. And that puts you back
1: in the Caribbean
4: when? Oh, well, OK, I'm in the Canaries from September through January, usually. I'll leave early January from the Canaries, sail directly to St. Martin. Uh, typical trip is about 25 days, and I'm here in February.
1: Do you hold an Atlantic
4: crossing forum at the other end for people coming this way? No, probably the big thing at the other end is the arc, and they have their own uh, thing over there. Um, I've never done one over there. I kind of like doing them over here, though.
1: Mike Childers, thanks once again for sharing that with us here on Yacht Blast. All right, thank you. Mike Childers talking about crossing the Atlantic from the Caribbean to the Azores. Mike also has developed a nifty piece of navigational software called Nimble Navigator, which is well worth having, and you can find out more by going to nimblenavigator.com. If you're in St. Martin, then give Mike a call on VHF, and uh, his call sign is Quinn, and he'll get right back to you, and he'll give you more information about crossing the Atlantic. Now, Yacht Blast is asking your help to find a yacht that has been reported overdue on a voyage from Margarita to St. Martin. And we'll have that for you after this from the Beatles. And this is also going out to Julia, who's doing some reorganising today. The Beatles and help, and and that's what we need today, some help. The St. Lucia Yacht Club have asked that if you are in the Caribbean and on or around the water, then please keep a lookout for the yacht Nergal and their skipper Trevor. Trevor left Margarita on Monday the 18th of April bound for St. Martin and he hasn't arrived as of the 28th. Nagal is a 50-foot fibreglass catch, white with a blue rub-rail stripe and a British flag. Trevor is in his early 70s and he's from Yorkshire, England, so he'll have an accent like me. And he rows a hard dinghy to get ashore. Now, if you know people on other islands, then please do ask them if they have seen him. That's Trevor on the yacht, Nagal. And if you know of Trevor's whereabouts, then contact me at uh, gaz.com at island ninety two dot com that's gaz g a z at island ninety two dot com or call me on five eight seven one five five seven and if, Trevor if you are listening, please get in touch so we can put people's minds at rest and well, that's about it again we're out of time it's been lovely having you aboard. yacht blast will be back on Monday evening at seven for the encore performance, and the podcast will be available by late Sunday afternoon, and you can find that on iTunes or by following the link on the Yacht Blast website, yachtblast.com.
0: Thanks again for listening. Until next time, fair winds and safe sailing.